0: Listening to the Thornapple Valley Church podcast. Thank you for joining us. Our hope is for you to be encouraged and to connect with God during this message. If you'd like to know more about Thornapple Valley Church, visit TVCweb.com. Well, good morning once again. I'm Keith, one of the pastors here, and uh, today, as I get started, because we're going to do some baptism a little bit later, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna exercise my second amendment right. To right, the bare arms here. And so, did you get that? No. You like it? Not so good? Not so good? That's what you call a dad joke. That's a dad joke right there. But hey, this morning we're in the series, I want to believe in God, but. Because just about every person that I've ever met, whether you just started following Jesus yesterday, whether you've been following Jesus for years, or you're not a Christ follower yet, we all have buts that hinder our belief. Here's what I mean, it is that we're saying, like, I want to believe that God is good, that He's faithful, that He's kind, but what about all the suffering in the world? What about the stuff that I prayed for where God did not answer my prayers? Gallup recently did a study, and they found that 90% of people would say that they believe in God. So if that's true, then we should have a, a community of people who love Jesus, follow Jesus, who live for Him, but there's the But. So let me just start off with the same question i started off with last week what's your butt what's your butt i've noticed that butts tend to occur in two categories number one there is the private the personal ones that we have to deal with inwardly i would imagine that for some of you right now there's something that's holding you back maybe it's the one that we talked about last week hey I want to believe in God, but I don't need church, and because I got hurt at church, and so I don't know if church is a safe and, and a place where I can be real and I can be honest. But here's the one I want to talk to you about today. This is what I want to believe in God, but I just want to have fun. Like, I want to believe in God, but I just want to have fun. This is one that I found that pretty much every single person I've met has to deal with this one. Because there's something inside of us that says, you know, if I'm going to follow Jesus, there's so many rules and regulations that go along with that. I can remember when I was a teenager, this was my big hangout. I can remember people would come up to me and say, hey, you're going to be a pastor one day. I was like, no, I'm not. Because I don't want that. Pastors are boring, they're lame, and they're fake. I don't want to be that. You know, I recently heard a story about it. A young man who basically wanted to follow God, but he found himself in this in this conundrum, this this struggle where how do I live for God but still have the fun that I want? And so he got this really fast car. So one day he's driving, he's going 125 miles per hour in a 25 mile per hour zone. He gets pulled over by the cop. The cop says, "Hey, did you know that you were speeding?" I "said Yeah," uh, he said. Well, "How fast do you think you were going?" He's like, "Maybe five over." He's like, "How about hundred over?" So then the cop says well you know you're gonna to have to get a ticket right he says yeah i understand that and the cop says okay i need first your driver's license and he said well i don't have a driver's license because i lost my driver's license when i got my fifth dui so then the police officer said well well at least can you show me your uh registration the young man said well i don't have registration because this car doesn't belong to me. It belongs to another lady. And what happened was I actually stole her car, shot her, and her body is in the trunk. So then the police officer says, to, okay, wait, let me understand this. You don't have a driver's license. This doesn't belong, this car doesn't belong to you. And there's a dead body in the trunk. He said, yeah. So then he says, stay right there. So he calls his captain. The captain shows up and the captain is alarmed and nervous and, and scared. And, and like, we got a live situation. So he goes up to the young man and he says, I hear that you don't have a license. Young man says, Of course I have a license. Here's my driver's license. The captain's a little confused. He says, Well, I hear that this car doesn't belong to He says, Of course this car belongs to me. Here is my owner's registration right here. And then he says, Okay, I hear that there's a body in the truck. He says, There's nobody in the truck. Young man goes to the truck, opens it slowly, nobody in the truck. So then the captain says, Okay, let me get this straight. My officer told me, you don't have a license, you don't have a registration, and there was a body in the trunk, and then the young man says, and I bet you he told you I was speeding too. <laughs> not so good. Not so good. The first service liked it. The first service liked it. <laughs> here's, here's the reason why I tell you that. It's because I'm pretty sure that that story's not true. But what is all true of all of us is for many of us, we feel like rules, they they hinder the excitement of life. There's something on the inside of us that if there's a rule, we want to step over it because that's where the fun is and God's not there. If you got a Bible today, I'm going to be in 1 John chapter 2. In 1 John chapter 2, the writer of 1 John is a guy by the name of John. John starts following Jesus at a very young age. Most scholars believe that the disciples of Jesus started following Jesus when they were somewhere between 17 years old and 22. So he's been following Jesus for a long time. And first, Jesus is going to meet him while he's fishing with his brother. He's not catching any fish, and Jesus calls him to follow, and he starts following Jesus. Now, John's a rough guy. He's got some rough edges. There's this one particular time where Jesus is getting into it with some people, and John's brother, James, he and John said to Jesus, hey, these people are getting on your nerve. Do you, want them to call, do you want us to call down fire from heaven on them? In modern day terms, it's kind of like, hey, Jesus, we'll take care of business. Let me just go out to my Chevy and get my shotgun. I'll, I'll, I'll make things happen. John was kind of a rough character. But the more he follows Jesus, the more he understands Jesus. Here's what he finds out about Jesus, that Jesus is unpredictable, but He's good. And Jesus said sometimes will challenge what people think about God, but he's good. He is right. He is God. So by the time that John is going to write this book, the book of 1 John, he's now in his 80s or his 90s. Just a quick little side note, John was the only apostle to die a natural death. Every other apostle were martyred for their faith. He dies a natural death. He gets into his 90s. And so now when John writes this book, he's got a different perspective, He's older. He understands life a little bit more. I like to say that at this point when John writes this book, he's kind of got that get a discount at Denny's swag, if you know what I'm talking about. He's kind of got that swag with a lag, but yet at the same time, he's got a different perspective. And here's what he writes. In 1 John chapter 2, I'm going to start in verse 15. John says this. Do not love the world or anything in the world, for if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world, and the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. John says, I want to talk to you about love. Because there's a lot of things in your society, in the community around you, that people say this is love when it's not. And honestly, because sometimes we fall for a false love, what it does is it leaves us empty on the inside. See, I would imagine that there's some of you who are here right now, and you feel like you're in love, but the problem is you felt that way the last time you were in a relationship and the last time you were in a relationship. And you can't figure out why it's not working, and what John said, maybe the reason why it's not working is because it's lust and not love. John says, there's a lust of the flesh. The lust of the flesh says, this is what my body wants down. The lust of the eye says, this is what I need now. And then the pride of life says, I deserve this. I want this. I need this. I deserve this. And what John says is some of those desires are not good for you. And some of the things that we call fun actually lead to more frustration and pain. And John says, take it from me, a guy who's been around for a while. Now, here's what you also have to understand. John is writing to a group of people known as the Ephesians. Here's the historical background. So when Jesus is dying on the cross in John chapter 19, as Jesus is about to take his last breath, he looks down from the cross and he sees his mother Mary. And then he sees John. And he says to John, or he says to Mary, he says, woman, behold your son, son, behold your mother. And what history tells us is from that day, John will take Mary, the mother of Jesus, into his own house and care for her in Ephesus until they both eventually passed away. He's writing to these people who have money, success at their fingertips. See, see the city of Ephesus was a large, uh, powerful city. It, it was along the coast, and so people would come from all over the world to Ephesus to spend time there. And here's the reason that they would come, is because they had a temple there called the Temple of Diana. Now, most people don't go to a city to worship, and neither do these people. Because what they did at this temple, you can call a lot of things, but you could not call it worship. So what John is saying is, I'm trying to help you guys see something clearer and better. He says, listen, some of the stuff that you call fun, it's not real fun. You wanted to kind of basically boil down what John is talking about. I call it the three Ps. Number one, pleasure. Number two, possessions. And then number three, pride. This is something we all deal with. i talked about that there, there's the private kind of butts, those individual things that we walk through, and then there's those universal things that we all want pleasure. We all enjoy possessions, and here's what's true about, at least it's true of me, is that at times I got to deal with pride. I deserve this. What John says is some of that stuff will not lead to real joy and satisfaction. Now, John doesn't come right out and say this, but basically what he implies is, number one, is pleasure can be deceptive. Pleasure can be deceptive. What, what John is trying to say, he says, the lust of the flesh, it looks so good, it looks like you've you got to have it and it's going to satisfy you, but it doesn't really satisfy. I, I call this the fish and the hook principle. So imagine this, your fish— And one day you're just swimming, and all of a sudden a worm drops out of nowhere. You're hungry. You think to yourself, man, I've been wanting a worm. This is exactly the the thing that I wanted. And then there's an older, smarter fish who's been around for a while who's kind of got scales. And he says, listen, not every worm is the same. There's some worms that that you're going to eat, and they're going to satisfy you. And then there's some worms that have a hook attached to them. And then that fish swims and he grabs the worm, but along with the worm, he gets the hook. How many times has this happened in our lives? Where as we're pursuing pleasure, you know, I would imagine for some of you young people who grew up in church, kind of got away from it because it was too many, many rules, and you can't do this, and you can't lie, and you can't cheat, and you can't chew, and you can't run around with girls who do. And so it's just like, I don't enjoy this. And then all of a sudden, you got the pleasure, but you got the hook. You know, I was um, doing a little bit of study on fish this week. I'm not the smartest person when it comes to fish, but I was watching a pretty intense documentary on fish and how they relate to each other. It's called Finding Nemo. And here's what I discovered in in that documentary. Is that fish are trying to communicate with one another. They're trying to help each other, and sometimes some of the fish don't listen. Pleasure can be deceptive. Here's how the writer of Proverbs will describe it in Proverbs chapter 9. He's saying basically the same thing. I'm going to start in verse 13. The writer of Proverbs says this He says, Folly is an unruly woman. She is simple and knows nothing. Now, what the writer is obviously doing is he's personifying folly, foolishness. And so he says, Okay, listen, there is a person who is not very smart, they know nothing. So then you would imagine they say nothing. Not this person. Since she sits at the door of a house on the the highest point in the city, calling out to those who pass by who go straight on their way. And here's her pitch. Let all who are simple come to my house. Come to my house. This is the fun house. This is where you're going to enjoy life. And here's what she says. To those who have no sense, she says, stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is delicious. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever heard the voice of folly calling out to you? Hey, listen, come over here. Do this, take this, smoke this, step outside of your marriage. Listen, this is the fun side. The fun side is right across that line. And here's the problem. Sometimes what folly says is not 100% not true. Sometimes what Father says, hey, stolen water is sweet, food eaten in secret is delicious. Can you, can you kind of get the picture? Hey, come on, come over here. I got this water. Look, taste, doesn't that taste good? Hey, this stolen foreign, food eaten in secret, nobody's going to see, nobody's going to know. It tastes good. Some pastor will tell you sin is bad, which I will tell you the same thing. But some pastor will tell you sin is not fun. I will not lie to you. Sin is a blast. It's a blast. But sometimes along with it comes the hook. He, he goes on to say this in, in, in verse 18. He says, but little do they know that the dead are there, that our house guests are deep in the realm of the dead. It's the hook. That, that, that hey, as soon as I step across that threshold, I think I'm stepping into a fun house. But what I actually stepped into was a haunted house. You know, have you ever stopped to wonder that some of the things that our society tells us will make us happy tend to haunt us, and yet at the same time, we keep falling for the lie? Because here's what the second lie goes: Hey, you're not doing it the right way. What you need is you need more. You need more pleasure. You need more pleasure. You need more pleasure. You need more pleasure. Need more pleasure. And, and what, what the writer of First John, which is John, says is: Listen, I'm pleading with you. It's not satisfying you, it's lust. Let me help you understand what lust is. Lust is, number one, it's never satisfied. It's illogical and it's short-sighted. It's never satisfied. If there is a person you know who's lustful, they're never happy. Anybody you know who collect girlfriends the way you collect watches, they're not happy people. Any, anybody you know who, who they live their life just for more, for more, for more, They're not satisfied. So, what Solomon is saying and what John is saying is there's something better. There's something better that God has for us. And I can prove it to you. In Psalm chapter 16, verse 11, Psalm chapter 16, verse 11, here's what the Bible says it says that at Jesus' right hand, at God's right hand, there's pleasures forevermore. God's not against pleasure. He just wants you to have the right kind of pleasure because he knows that there's some pleasure that will actually bring pain and suffering to your life. But then here's the second thing that I think that John is implying here is that possessions won't last. He says, this world is fading away. Possessions won't last. You know, I remember when I was in middle school when I was in middle school, the thing to have was a starter jacket. Everybody wanted a starter jacket. And I can remember I begged my mom, please give me a starter jacket. It's only like $250. And she was like, 250, what? That was the only time I heard my mama swear. Sorry, mama. I just got to tell the truth. Shame the devil. But here's my point. My mom eventually got me the starter jacket. And you know where that $250 starter jacket is? somewhere at Goodwill for like five bucks. Because possessions, the value don't last. And how many times do we go after things that don't last and then we realize that they don't last and we still keep going after them? You know something? Not only have I found that that possessions, physical things don't last, there are intangible things that don't last as well. Like, I want to talk to everybody who's like 25 and under. Your energy, the, the way that you can just like eat whatever you want at one o'clock in the morning, that's not going to last. <laughs> let, let me just say this. That beach bod eventually is going to turn into a dead bod. Can I get an amen at this 11 o'clock service? I know because I got one. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, uh, man, I used to eat at 1 o'clock in the morning and now at 1 o'clock in the morning, man, I'm telling you, heartburn starts talking to me. (laughs) But listen, one of the most tragic things that I've seen in life and as a pastor is that so many people try to hold on and try to make what lasts what is something they're in the process of losing. They're, they're grasping for it. I've got to have this. And so there's something called a, like a midlife crisis. And, and, and some, what's happening, is, and it happens to both men and women, we're trying to go back and get something that's no longer available. Instead of understanding what John Maxwell calls the law of trade offs. Because listen, I can lose something, but I gain something. With experience, I gain wisdom, I gain depth. And so I think if John was giving this message, he would say to the people watching me online, he would say to the people in this room, stop trying to hold on to what you're losing and actually grab something that's of value in your life. Let me tell you something that also we tend to lose over time is certain relationships. There's certain people in our lives that we thought that they were going to always be in our life. But for whatever reason, they moved. Sometimes things happen. And so many times we live our lives frustrated because somebody left us instead of understanding that there are some people who are supposed to be around us for a really long time. And and this is the point where I want to get serious because when I think of the local church, here's what I imagine. I do not imagine a place where there's perfect people. I do not imagine a place where everybody always has it together, and when they walk in the door, all of a sudden, there are these magically, perfectly put-together people who never struggle. What I imagine when I think about church is a church for people, when life gets rough, that those are the kind of relationships that really last. This is the thing that breaks my heart with, with, with some people and their understanding of church. They think that here's the time you come to church when you have it all together. When your marriage is put together, that's when you come to church. But here's what I've always thought about churches. When your marriage is falling apart, when life is at its worst, when, when you messed up and you got pregnant out of wet life, that's the moment you should be at church. That's the moment you should have a small group around you because church is supposed to be a place where it's safe to grow to change and to find some love and grace. But so many times it's not been that way. And and, and so what oftentimes we find ourselves empty because we don't have that kind of church family. And then we go try to find that somewhere else and it's still empty. Here's the last thing that I think John is pointing to. He's trying to help us see. Pleasure can be deceptive, possessions don't last, and pride is not enough. Now, I told you, at times, I struggle with pride like all of you. And you know when it comes out the most is when I'm put in a situation where I have to be vulnerable. And that's why I love my wife. Because my wife is completely transparent. So when we're at small group and we're, at, I, we're having a bad day and something going wrong, my wife will just tell all my business, like just put it all out there. And I'm kicking her, no, we don't know these people yet. And, and she just puts it all out there. But here's what I've noticed. When I've taken the risk to be real, to be humble, that's the time where I find the grace of God. Because there's a Bible verse that says this, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. you know one of the reasons that you might not be following Jesus right now is I'm gonna just go out there and I'm just gonna say something really 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 bold. it might be because you're prideful. It's not working and you you know you need something beyond you a higher power Jesus, the Holy Spirit, something and you just keep on hitting your head against that wall because pride. Is not enough, but Jesus is. And what he does is he steps into our broken lives, our broken marriages, our broken families, and he gives us hope. So if you're in here today and you would say, hey, pastor, that's me. I'm in a place where I'm kind of messed up on the inside. And honestly, man, I can look like I got it all together. may you look at my car, you look at my house, you would think I've got it together, but honestly, there's something missing. I'm haunted by the things that I was told is supposed to make me happy. And if there's something better, I want it. Here's what I want to do for you. I want to pray a prayer with you that will invite you into a relationship with Jesus. And so I want all of us to pray right now. If that's you and you would say, hey, I need to start a relationship with Jesus. I just want you to pray these words silently after me in your heart. Jesus, forgive me. I know that I'm a sinner in need of grace. And so today I I, I, I confess my sins. I ask you to forgive me and I ask you to come into my heart through your Holy Spirit. Help me to live for you and to follow you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Thornapple Valley Church podcast. If you found this message encouraging, we invite you to share it. For more information, visit TBC Web dot com